You're listening to Trinity Fremont's Sermon Podcast, where you can hear God's Word preached each and every week. Our purpose at Trinity is to raise up Christ's followers in our families and in our communities. We pray that as you listen to this week's sermon, you'll be encouraged and equipped to live out your faith in all that you do. It's a miracle! Well, that is a miracle. Well, that's a miracle. This is going to take a miracle. All phrases that we use quite often, aren't they? And we use the word miracle quite often. There's an old popular Christmas movie with the word miracle in it. Anyone know it? Miracle on 34th Street. One of the places that we see the word miracle used a lot is in sports. In 1980, the Winter Olympics, the hockey gold medal. What's it called? Miracle on Ice. Miracle on Ice. There they are. Maybe you were watching the Nebraska basketball game Thursday night. We were down 18 points to the number six team in the nation, the Wisconsin Badgers. In Wisconsin's last 120 games, when they led at halftime by 15 points or more, they were 120 wins and zero losses. Now, if you didn't turn the TV off or turn the channel at halftime, you might have witnessed a miracle comeback. Huskers 80, Badgers 72 in overtime. Guess what the number looks like now? 120 and 1. Go Big Red! Football seems to be a place where the word miracle is used a lot. I remember the Iowa game, and I'm pretty sure it was the Iowa game. And Nebraska fumbled. That's a surprise, right? There were five Iowa players around the ball. No Nebraska players. But that ball just kept squirting around, and no one could get it. And at the last second, someone of the Nebraska players came in and fell on the ball. And guess what I said? That was a miracle. Well, I could go on and on about these types of references, but they're not really miracles, are they? Did I I miss that video up there, guys? Launches the throw down toward the goal line, going up. Ball tipped in the air. Jordan Westerkamp, Nebraska wins the game on the final play of the contest. Oh, baby. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. What a scene in Lincoln, baby. Good win. 
if you're watching that game, you probably said that was a miracle. But these examples aren't really miracles. When it comes to real miracles, we think about the Bible, don't we? And usually we think miracles, we think Jesus. But there are over 90 miracles in the Old Testament. So I'm going to quiz you a little bit using pictures and see how quickly you can recognize these Old Testament miracles. Let's see what we have first. Well, actually, before we get to that, before we get to those pictures, there is a miracle at the very, very beginning of the Bible. Because in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, is that a miracle? Obviously, that's a miracle. God just spoke the heavens into existence. And he spoke the earth into existence. And that is a miracle. That's infinite power, infinite glory, infinite might. There's so many other times when God reveals his infinite power through his miracles in the Old Testament. Now let's see if we can figure some of these out. What's that first one? Parting of the Red Sea. Next. Walls of Jericho come tumbling down. Jonah being swallowed by the fish. Three days, finally getting spit up onto dry land. Next. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace were tossed. They got a friend with them, don't they? Last one. Daniel and the lion's den. How did you guess that one? These are all amazing miracles, sowing God's mighty, his infinite might and his power and his glory. But when it comes to the New Testament miracles, we think about Jesus. Are his miracles just as infinitely powerful and infinitely uh, glorious? Certainly they are. What are some of Jesus' miracles that you can think of off the top of your head? Shout them out. Water into wine. Lep heal, the, heal the leper. Oh, did I hear lion or lioness? Or how about Lazarus? Blind. Blind. Healing the blind. Blind can see. These are all awesome, amazing miracles showing Jesus' infinite power and his might and his glory. Our God is infinite. There is no end to his power or his might or his glory, which brings us to today's scripture lessons. So it's from Mark 1. Now, if you're familiar with the gospel of Mark, he flies through chapter 1. Luke, we don't even get through Jesus' birth until after chapter 2, 
Mark just skips Jesus' birth and he goes right into John the Baptist announcing that the Christ is here, goes right to Jesus being baptized, goes right into Jesus going into the wilderness, goes right into Jesus starting his public ministry. And then in, in verse 14, he calls a couple disciples. Who were the first two that he called? Peter and what's the, who's his brother? Andrew, and then James and John. At this point, he has four disciples. Then immediately, four things happen. There are four immediately that happen. Jesus immediately goes to the synagogue of Capernaum and begins teaching. Immediately, a man with an unclean spirit was in the synagogue. Jesus cast out that spirit. It was the first miracle that Mark recorded. Then Jesus and the disciples immediately left the synagogue and he entered the house of Simon and Andrew. Simon and Andrew immediately tell Jesus Simon's mother-in-law has a fever. Then something happens. Not an infinitely powerful miracle, but an intimate miracle. Mark 1, 29-31, and immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her, and he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve. Simon's mother-in-law had a fever. A fever. She didn't have leprosy. She wasn't blind. She wasn't lame. She wasn't possessed by an unclean spirit. And she certainly wasn't dead. She had a fever. Just a fever. Take a couple Tylenol. Take a couple Advil. Good to go, right? Of course they didn't have those drugs then. They had someone different, didn't they? They had Jesus. The setting is Jesus and some of his disciples coming to Simon Peter's house after a long, long day doing kingdom of heaven things. Preaching, teaching, healing, casting demons out. This group of men had to be starving. Who's going to make the food for them if she was sick? Who's going to serve the food for them if she is sick with a fever? It's a bunch of helpless, hungry men. Ladies, do you know what I'm talking about? But it's a beautiful moment. Jesus was attentive to her mundane vocation. Just like Jesus is attentive to your smallest vocation in your lives. Even serving food to the company. But she had a fever. She wasn't able to fill her vocation because she was ill. And Jesus understood this. So he did something about it. This was not an infinite moment. It was an intimate moment 
definition of intimate, closely acquainted, familiar with, close to, lots of love, right? And it's what Jesus desires for us to have intimate relation with him. Food and fellowship is a miracle. Jesus' tiny little miracle allowed this in, intimate love to happen. A question for you to think about, to consider this morning, does Jesus still perform miracles? Make your heads do this. Yes. But it's different, isn't it? Jesus isn't here the way you and I are here. So are there miracles today? Raise your hand if you have either had a baby or witnessed a baby being born. Raise your hand. Was that a miracle? You better believe it's a miracle. Here's a miracle. Little baby Selah. My granddaughter, born December 10th. That's Selah. There's no doubt in my heart and my mind that baby Selah is a miracle. Now, you might be thinking what direction I'm going, but I'm probably going to go a different direction than you think. Because I'm going to ask you, can you, can you be a part of making miracles in people's lives today? You, can you do it? Almost three weeks ago already, we had a big snowstorm. It was a doozy, wasn't it? It occurred when I was participating on my, in my online 8th seminary class, and it was a week that I was struggling big time with, with my balance and my dizziness and ocular migraines, and I, I simply couldn't make the trip to St. Louis. So here I was at home, and it started snowing. I don't like a lot of snow building up. I like to go out and every hour or two. You know what I'm talking about? Stay ahead of it. So I thought, I'm going to go out and stay ahead of it. It had snowed about two inches by this time. And I was out for about five minutes, and I couldn't do it. And I came in the house. And it flared up my dizziness. I was all over the place. Was looking at the screen, and all of a sudden, all these ocular migraines start happening, can't see anything. And I was pretty bummed out. As I watched the next day, because it just started, snowed for about 30 hours or so, and the next day I see the snow building up in the driveway and the sidewalk. I enjoy going out there. I love when I'm done. It's kind of like mowing the lawn, right? You get done and you look back and you go, that, that looks pretty good. Well, that wasn't going to happen. But then a miracle happened. A modern-day miracle. About 7 o'clock the next night, I heard a snowblower. Then I heard shoveling, scraping against the cement. And before long, all the snow was gone. 
My friends, though, Stransky family, Mark, Shannon, and their kids, Madison and Miles, they came over and cleared all the snow out. I didn't lift a finger. That's a miracle. Brothers and sisters, Jesus isn't here in a way that you and I can touch him, but we can touch one another. We can do miracles. We can bleed blessings to one another. And October is starting to get cold out. Time to drain the sprinklers, right? I don't have a good track record when it comes to draining sprinklers. You have to do it on time, and you have to do it right. My first experience was not doing it on time. Crack, water going everywhere, right? The next spring. And then the next time, I didn't do it properly. So I had to call a friend, and he came over and helped me. Put a new system in. It was the vacuum breaker that broke. Water everywhere. So I knew the forecast, and I knew it was going to be cold. And this is just this last October. So I was already getting a little nervous. Am I going to do it properly this time? So I got home, came in the door, and Leanne said, you don't have to worry about the sprinklers. Larry Andreessen just came over and he drained the sprinklers properly. <laughs> I didn't ask Larry to do that. That's a miracle. One more. And some of you are probably thinking of some miracles that you have experienced with people loving you so much, too. Christmas Eve, this Christmas Eve, last Christmas Eve, not very long ago, between the 6 and 11 o'clock services, thought, I'm going to go home for a little bit, grab a bite to eat, maybe catch a little power nap. So that's what I did, I ate something. Then I headed over to the old lazy boy, right? But I noticed it was kind of cold. So I went, checked the thermostat, 64 degrees and set for 71. We got trouble. But Mr. Mechanical, I can fix this. It really was that funny, wasn't it? So I walked downstairs, I told Leanne, I'm going to go fix the furnace. And so some of you know if the flame's not working, you, you just turn it off and you turn it back on, and usually it works, right? So that's what I did. Turned it off, flipped it back on, it's just like a light, light switch, and I heard the pilot light come on. And then I heard the flame kick on and two seconds later it went poof out both of them are out and I did this five or six times I knew I was in trouble it's Christmas Eve 
what are we going to do? I knew someone from Getchman Heating and Cooling. His name is Scott. I had his cell phone number. I miraculously had his cell phone number. So I called Scott. He was not in town. He was at a family gathering. He couldn't come and help me. But he was pretty sure he knew what was wrong. It was the flame sensor. The flame sensor. I know what that is. He said, all you got to do is, and then my brain went blank. <laughs> kind of like technology. Yes. When Pastor Gerber tells you, all you have to do is. So Scott said, I'll send you a video. And he sent me a video. I watched the video and I said, I think I might be able to do this. Got off the panels with a big screwdriver and and it kind of looked similar to what the video looked like in there. And, and I, I said, I, I, there's the flame sensor. All I have to do is get one screw out, and the flame sensor will come out, and I can clean it. And so, I couldn't get one screw out. I used every screwdriver I had. I used wrenches, crescent wrenches, vice grips, but I couldn't get to it. It was in a place where I couldn't get the screw loose. I needed a ratchet set, and I didn't have one. So I called my friend, Tim Weinrich. And he was at a family gathering, and I said, Tim, I don't, you, I don't want you to come over here. But do you have a ratchet set? In about five minutes, guess who was at the door? Tim, with a ratchet set. And it took us like one minute, after me working on an hour, one minute to get that screw out. We carefully removed the flame sensor, and then I actually miraculously had steel wool, which you need to clean it, and we cleaned it, and we put it back in, and within five minutes, we were putting the panels back on, and then it was the moment of truth, right? Flip the switch on. There goes the pilot light. There goes the flame. Thousand one, thousand two, thousand three, thousand four, it stayed on. My friends, that was a miracle, and that's exactly what I told Tim. That's a miracle. You see, those Stranskys and Larry and Scott and Tim. They were all part of modern-day miracles, weren't they? They were blessings, doing something for someone that they can't do themselves. We have a specific ministry here at Trinity that brings miraculous things to hurting people all over the country. The stories of our comfort dog team's experiences are modern-day miracles. Their intimate, Jesus-loving hearts bring comfort and hope to so many people, so many hurting people. For the last four weeks, the last four weeks, our comfort dogs have been in Perry, Iowa, where there was a school shooting, lots of tragedy, lots of heartache, lots of tears. They brought Jesus' loving support to the students and to the staff and to the families and the whole community. 
You see, they were the hands and feet and the mouths of Jesus. It's what he desires for us until he returns to make things new. So that's my challenge to you today, tomorrow, this week, this month, this year. How can you be a miracle worker? A blessing to someone? How can you be the hands and the feet and the mouth of Jesus? Pray for those opportunities. Believe me, they'll come. It might not be a big old miracle. It might be a small miracle. It doesn't make any difference. The key is that you make a difference. Be a blessing. Be a miracle worker. It's not complicated. Remember our theme before, before Advent? God gives, we respond. Brothers and sisters, the biggest miracle of all is that despite our sinful nature, God the Father loves you so much that he sent his Son into this world to suffer the most horrible of deaths so that you, even though you don't deserve it, can be forgiven, be made clean. God the Son loves you so much that he actually went through with his Father's will all the way to the foot of the cross of Calvary. And Jesus the Holy Spirit loves you so much that he continues daily to preserve and strengthen your faith through word and through sacrament. Yes, we do have an infinite God infinite in power and might. But we also have an intimate God who came into this world to love you all the way to heaven. Now that's a miracle we can count on forever and ever. My friends, Jesus is not just with you. He is in you. The Apostle Paul reminds us of this through Galatians, all the way through Galatians. He's talking about Christ being in us. I'll read you just one of those verses. Verse 20 from chapter 2, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ in me. Do you see it now? Jesus is in you. You are the hands and the feet and the mouths of Jesus. So my prayer for you this morning is that God would provide for you miracle opportunities each today, tomorrow, and forevermore. Because indeed, we are miracle workers. Miracle workers for the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Amen.